On Monday morning, KPBS published an investigation revealing the location of COVID-19 outbreaks in the county. While outbreaks are no longer a metric that determines new COVID rules, they do provide hints about how the virus spreads. As regional caseloads have been in the thousands all month, outbreaks represent a mere fraction of all confirmed cases, but still provide ammunition to groups that argue that their businesses shouldn't be regulated. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Lindsay Winkley, you're part of the COVID team at the San Diego Union-Tribune, and just for the record, KPBS is the ones that had this data, we're reporting on it after the fact, so it is a little awkward. But first, let's get through some definitions. Can you remind us what an outbreak is and how it's tracked by the county? Sure. Um, So, uh, yeah, definitely hat tip to KPBS. Uh, That was the data was leaked to them and we just um, used what they had published in their own investigation. Um, So outbreaks are actually uh, the definition changes depending on the location that an outbreak is at. So for I think the outbreaks that most people are familiar with are community setting outbreaks. Um, And those outbreaks uh, occur at restaurants, at gyms, at churches. Um, And in those situations, it has to include at least three COVID-19 cases within a 14-day period at the same setting involving people who are from different households or who are not considered close contacts in some other way, Uh, which I know is a little bit of a mouthful. Uh, It gets a little bit more confusing when you add different locations. So outbreaks at congregate care facilities, um, specifically like shelters or jails, Those are defined as three COVID-19 cases that occur within a 14-day period among people who have had contact with at least one other person within the outbreak. Uh, And then when you get to nursing homes, you only require one laboratory-confirmed case. So that's kind of the outbreak setup that the county uses. And what's the main reason behind tracking these outbreaks in this way? Yeah, so... I think the predominant reason why the county started tracking these initially was to really get a sense of the places where COVID-19 was spreading. Now, you can you can really go back in time and see that outbreaks were a significantly different phenomenon at the beginning of the pandemic. In March, April, and May, um, people were really vigilant. Um, a lot of things were closed. Um, so outbreak numbers were actually quite small. And so closely tracking that allowed the county to sort of estimate, okay, where is the coronavirus spreading in our community? Um, That's a lot different now. Uh, We have a really high level of transmission across um, the county, as is is seen in case numbers that are in the thousands repeatedly. Um, We're also, if the purple tier was something that applied to us right now, um, we would be in the highest spread level. Um, And so in that sense, outbreaks are a little bit less helpful because um, while it does kind of show, hey, these are some of the places that the virus is spreading, the virus is spreading in a lot more places than that. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the uh, the state just updated their latest uh, tier information. We used to freak out when the case rate was above seven and we are at 63.1. So things are quite bad right now. Yeah, we're at really high levels of transmission. And I think that that's something that is really important to sort of keep in mind when um, readers look at this list. Obviously, this is something that the public's been calling for. Uh, We as journalists uh, sued for the information. Um, A judge sided um, with the county 
um, and we're appealing that decision, but we recognize that this is something that a lot of people um, want more information on. People want to know uh, whether there's been outbreaks at the places that they frequent. Um, but I think as epidemiologists sort of eloquently said yesterday, people need to be really careful um, when they look through this list. Just because you don't see your neighborhood restaurant or you know a boutique that you like to pick up Christmas gifts from, uh, if, just because it's not on this list, doesn't mean that the coronavirus isn't or couldn't circulate in that environment. Um, I think the bigger takeaway here is this list really helps us see the kinds of places and the sorts of activities that make it more likely for us to be exposed to the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And until, you know, this was leaked and continuing, obviously, because of the lawsuit, why does the county want to keep this information hidden? Yeah, so there's a couple of reasons why the county has stated that they don't want to release this information. Um, first off, they essentially say that most coronavirus outbreaks don't present an ongoing risk to the public. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, sometimes it can be because it's circulated amongst employees and the proper employees um, quarantined or retreated and they did a deep clean in the, in the break room and everything is fine. Um, it could also be uh, most most outbreaks sort of resolve themselves um, without necessarily um, being a risk to me, Lindsay, who's going into uh, any number of locations. Um, that being said, that's not always the case. Uh, the county has actually released outbreak locations, not very often, um, but they've done so with a gym, with a church, with a bar. Um, and in those situations, that's when they feel that there is some sort of inherent risk or an ongoing risk to the public. Um, so one of the most recent examples was a couple of weeks ago, um, the county actually called out Awakened Church by name um, because they felt that contact tracers hadn't been able to reach everybody who could have been exposed at some of that church's services. Um, and so they ended up putting out the information publicly and actually KPBS found that there were three separate outbreaks at different locations within that church. So um, that's kind of an example of when county does feel this is something that presents a risk. Um, the other reason is they feel like if they put out this information that businesses and locations would be a lot less likely to cooperate with the county um, when they're doing their outbreak investigations. Um, and so in order to sort of ensure that those lines of communication stay open, um, they've been keeping that information private. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like, it's uh, interesting to have this discussion at this point, because if you remember going back to even February, March, before all the shutdowns, there was fear that, you know, if a place was known as having a COVID case, that it would, you know, kind of get that scarlet letter and then people wouldn't want to go to that place anymore, which, you know, that's one thing when you're talking about caseloads in the single digits. But now that, you know, yesterday was another day in the thousands, it's an entirely different reality now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th and I think that that's important for people to recognize the virus is widely circulating in our community. And just because something's not on this list, it doesn't mean that there isn't risk. Um, you know, I think that something else that people can sort of take from this is, you know, familiarize yourself with those sorts of locations and think to yourself, what are the things that I can do if I do need to go to a grocery store, pick up presents at Target, um, which was on the list many times? Um, you know, what things can I do to ensure that I am being as safe as possible and making things as safe as I can for the people around me? Mm -hmm. 
And uh, if I'm someone who's just perusing that list, what are some things that you think that people need to keep in mind when, you know, they're just kind of looking neighborhood by neighborhood? Like, what are some real caveats that we have to keep in mind when looking at location data during the pandemic? Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the things that is sort of important to recognize is um, obviously this is really going to depend on kind of how you live, right? Um, Nursing homes are very high on the list because those individuals all live together and they're generally at greater risk. Um, And so obviously those outbreak numbers are going to be um, higher. I think, too, um, one of the things to think about with the whole box store thing, so Target was on the list a lot. Walmart was on the list. Costco was on the list. You know, it's a lot of these big stores. Um, But let's go back to how the county identifies outbreaks again. And so um, the county needs three sort of cases within one location. Um, That's sort of the thing that ties them all together. So it's possible that if you have a business that's seeing 20,000 people in a day um, and you're dealing with thousands and thousands of cases every day, um, it's likely that those locations that have just a lot more population of people moving through them um, are going to hit that outbreak definition. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, you know, that a target is more dangerous than a nursing home, even though there's more outbreaks than targets that say at a specific nursing home. And so that's just something sort of some of the nuance of those numbers. Um, I think too, again, I've said this a bunch of times, but you know, just because a place isn't on the list uh, doesn't mean that they are more safe. And just because a place is on the list doesn't mean that they're not practicing the appropriate safety mechanisms to ensure that people are safe. Um, you know, that is just how widely things are circulating right now. Yeah. And remember that this information comes from these interviews from the contact tracing. So it is just people's memories of two weeks prior to when they got their confirmed diagnosis. So, you know, in the realm of data, this is pretty weak. Yeah, absolutely. And and contact tracers are are contact tracers. I'm sure they would say it too. But epidemiologists are very quick to say that Um, when it comes to this data, there is a lot of reasons why the information that's given to the county uh, could be wrong. Um, People may not be able to remember all the places they went. They might just omit things because they're ashamed that they went to a place that they knew maybe wasn't the safest. Um, They might try and leave out locations in an effort to protect where they work or protect where they worship. Um, You know, they might not mention people because they worry that those individuals would be forced to go into quarantine, which, you know, for a lot of workers may not be a sacrifice or it may be a hardship that they just feel they can't afford. Um, So the process of how we sort of get to these outbreaks is um, very, it's limited uh, to a degree. I mean, I think that that's also why across the board, um, epidemiologists do sort of consistently feel that this list is likely a whole lot smaller um, than the actual uh, reality of clusters um, within our community right now. Mm-hmm. And in recent weeks, uh, restaurants and bars have long argued that this contact tracing data and these outbreaks are a sign that they should be allowed to operate, uh, many say, outdoors or maybe a combination of indoor-outdoor. After this data has been out for the past two days, does this push that argument either way toward the restaurants or kind of counter that? Does this uh, change that argument when they say we should be allowed to open up? 
No, I, I don't really think so. I mean, I think it's clear that transmission is possible at restaurants. I mean, restaurants are one of the most prevalent sorts of locations that are on the outbreak list. And we've known that for a, a really long time. Because while the addresses have been kept secret, the county has actually been releasing sort of general outbreak data um, pretty consistently for some time. Um, I think it is, though, sort of important to note that outbreaks really account for a, a sort of small percentage of our overall caseload. I mean, we're talking like just over 10%. Um, so a majority of our cases don't occur in an outbreak setting. Um, and I think that that's something that restaurants bring up a lot is, you know, when we're, when we're talking about um, where people have been, restaurants aren't really at the top of the list, you know, about 9% based on the last estimate from the county, about 9% of people who got sick uh, remember going to some restaurant um, in the two weeks prior to getting sick. That being said, we just prefaced this, you know, it's self-reported data. So uh, it's, who knows how accurate it is, but that's the best we've got. So. Mm -hmm. And with this surge that's been going on pretty much since November, is the county still able to effectively contact race? Uh, not certainly not as well as they as they were able to before. Um, I think last time I checked, they'll get another update um, tomorrow. Um, but we were down to like 40% of uh, new cases being investigated within 24 hours. And the county is shooting for 90%. So that really shows that the um, sort of the burden of uh, the contact tracing process, something that takes hours generally for one case, um, is just really difficult to keep up with when you are dealing with thousands, you know, or more cases every day. Um, so, and that is going to affect uh, outbreaks. That being said, a lot of people sort of thought that, uh, there's a couple of reasons, but when you look at the sort of the chart of like outbreaks and how they've progressed from March to November, outbreak locations and outbreak totals are significantly higher now than they were in May. You know, that's likely a little bit of pandemic fatigue. Um, people are just losing the will to do what we need to do to kind of keep this virus under control. However, it could also be a reflection of the county just getting better at identifying outbreaks. Um, it's something that does take a certain amount of expertise. Um, and, you know, the county is getting good at it with a lot of practice, oh, a lot of unfortunate practice. Um, but no, the, uh, the contact tracing efforts right now are definitely less complete than they were. And that's going to affect the county's ability to identify outbreaks and close contacts. Mm -hmm. And after all of this, are outbreaks really even a useful metric anymore? I mean, given all the caveats and given how things are just much more infectious than they were weeks ago? Uh, <laughs> it feels like a tricky question. Uh, I would say that outbreaks are not the most important metric for us to be looking at right now, considering the rate of spread. Um, that being said, and this is something that was echoed by um, experts that I spoke with yesterday, um, I think many people are a fan of transparency. I'm a big fan of transparency. Uh, doctors are a big fan of transparency. Um, and I do feel like people um, deserve access to information that they feel would help them make better, safer decisions for themselves and their loved ones. Um, and so I think in this particular sense, even though outbreaks aren't necessarily the most important metric that we're looking at right now, um, I think this goes a little bit beyond that and is, it hits on a little bit of a deeper level of what information does the public deserve to know during a pandemic? And 
I would argue that this is one of those pieces of information. Hmm. And uh, finally, uh, has the county responded to either KPBS or us about reporting this information they've tried so hard to hide? No. Uh, the county did not comment on this story yesterday. Um, the county also did not confirm the veracity of KPBS's uh, info, and KPBS did not release uh, their source for their information. So mm-hmm. everybody is being mum on it for now. All right. Lindsay Winkley, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. It's Tuesday, so listen to the latest episode of Name Drop. Here, the UT's Abby Hamblin and Christy Totten interview Eric Topol. He's the director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute and has been a loud voice for science during the pandemic. Name Drop San Diego is available wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.